2: This is the American Greed podcast presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach. In this episode of American Greed, the queen of commercial real estate poses in the spotlight but operates in the shadows.
3: When you come to my home to eat, this is the atmosphere you would experience.
2: Champion Kane admitted in court
4: that she was the mastermind of a massive $400 million
2: Ponzi scheme. Gina Champion Kane is on the cover of magazines. She sits on influential boards and wins awards. In San Diego, she's kind of a big deal.
3: Sunset, you know, as a real estate developer and business owner, I also own 10 restaurants. I know I'm crazy.
5: Gina wanted to build an empire. The
2: mayor even named June 28, 2006, Gina Champion Kane Day.
6: She's this powerful woman entrepreneur in San Diego. It's like, wow, how do I become that someday?
2: But Champion Kane isn't the role model she seems to be. When she gets involved in the liquor licensing business, she becomes drunk with power and masterminds one of the largest frauds in San Diego history.
7: I mean, you could argue this was a $400 million business enterprise. And here, this woman pulled it off.
2: But the enterprising entrepreneur isn't the successful businesswoman she pretends to be. In fact, over the seven years of her scheme, she used about
8: $60 million of investor funds to prop up her failing businesses.
2: Because the architect of the largest woman-run Ponzi scheme in U.S. history has a dark origin story.
3: And the ironic thing is I was actually a victim of a Ponzi scheme.
4: Yeah, yeah, that's that's where the idea came from, isn't it? In January
2: 2022, a massive equity fund claims they have been swindled out of $75 million. And they want their money back. Their lawyers believe one person in particular has the answers. Gina Champion Kane.
5: Do you solemnly swear that the testimony you're about
6: to give will be the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth under penalty of perjury?
2: I do. Though Champion Kane is not the focus of this particular lawsuit, she does have a lot to explain.
4: Am I correct that for purposes of this deposition, you're uh, sitting in a prison?
2: Yes. Over the next five and a half hours, Champion Kane will describe eight years of her life, during which she not only duped this fund, but also contrived to steal more than $350 million from almost 500 investors. And the conversation won't always be easy. I'm being honest, I have nothing to lie for.
3: I'm, <laughs> I'm already incarcerated. You can continue to skew me all you want, it's not going to affect me either way. I'm already in prison, I'm already being punished, I'm already remorseful, I'm already atoning for my sins.
2: This isn't what she has in mind when she comes to San Diego from Michigan in the late 80s to make a name for herself. Andrew Galvin is a former assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of
8: California. She came out, she graduated from the University of Michigan, moved out to San Diego, and ended up getting her MBA at the University of San Diego. After getting her MBA, she ended up deciding to form her own company, and that was American National Investments,
2: or ANI. Even the name is ambitious. Champion Kane doesn't just want to conquer real estate in the Gas Lamp District in downtown San Diego. She wants to conquer commercial real estate across the entire country.
0: It's so great
6: to meet you. Congratulations on the second location. Thank you very much, very excited, very excited.
2: Neil Centuria spends nearly 50 hours interviewing Champion Kane for his book, I Did It, the largest woman-run Ponzi scheme in American history, as told to Neil Centuria and Barbara Bree. And according to him, her ambition isn't for money, but for Glory.
5: I think her ambition was to be famous. I think that you have to understand that if you pick real estate development, it's pretty high profile, and they write articles about you. And if you're right, you make a lot of money.
2: Glory Weisberg is a business reporter for the San Diego Union Tribune.
7: She really was a compelling figure, and not just because she was a woman entrepreneur, but um, she had a certain charisma.
3: My presentation is not as deep as everybody else's on this. You know, I'm just the real estate girl. What innovative real estate can we do?
7: Very compelling personality and seemed very bright and seemed to have a lot of business acumen.
2: Howard Greenberg is intricately involved in real estate development in San Diego, and he's quite aware of Champion Kane's rising star. She quickly became the chairman of the Downtown San Diego Partnership. She got involved with the
9: Center City Development Corporation and she was very adept at interweaving herself into the fabric of the downtown.
3: Good morning. A lot of smart people in this room, and uh, I'm just uh, proud to be part of their uh, environment (laughs) this morning, so thank you.
2: But according to many involved, the credit isn't entirely deserved. She was very good at interweaving herself in the political and business
9: community, and for that was rewarded, I'd say, and did
2: a lot of self-promotion without a lot of backup.
7: I learned little by little that many of the kinds of projects she claimed to have been the developer of, she was not. So high-rise luxury condominiums that she claimed to have been an equity partner in, a developer in, she was not. In many ways, she conned people into believing that she had done much more than she had and she was masterful at promoting herself. Whether
2: legitimate or not, the media is ready to be her champion. If
7: you haven't checked out the
6: front porch, you have to check it out. Thank you so much, Gina. Thank you.
5: She was really famous in this town, but it's a man's game and it's um, sharp elbows and big money and she was really good, but she was fighting the famous glass ceiling.
2: But Champion Kane wants the world to know that she's ready for the fight. She is featured on magazine covers, in profiles and podcasts, as a woman to be reckoned with in the San Diego development scene.
7: She's what I like to call a hot witch, you know, I mean, she, (laughs) you know, she's fabulous and gorgeous and super successful, and so I'm super excited to hear what she's got on her plate. I love being a developer. I love
3: real estate, and I love seeing transformation in communities.
2: She climbed so high in public estimation that in 2006, the San Diego mayor declares June 28th Gina Champion Cane Day. But things are about to get shaky in Southern California real estate. It was perhaps the worst financial collapse since the Great Depression. With the economic crash in 2008, commercial development screeches to a halt.
6: Housing prices plummeted and mortgage investments went sour.
2: And like most everyone else, Champion Kane can't avoid the fallout. Coming out of
8: the downturn in the late 2000s, She felt desperation. She felt desperation to make money
2: for herself, for her family, and for friends. She decides it may be a good time to pivot into a different industry, but she gets there almost by accident.
5: She sees a piece of land in Pacific Beach, and it's perfect for apartments. It's an old restaurant. It's kind of favored by the community, and she ties it up. She's going to tear the restaurant down, and she's going to build apartments. The community has an uprising and said, no, no, we don't wanna lose the restaurant. So she goes home to her husband and she says, Steve, we're gonna be in the restaurant business. And it's there of course, where she learns that you have to get a liquor license.
2: The restaurant is called the Patio on Lamont Street and it will soon become the epicenter of the biggest Ponzi scheme in San Diego history. By all appearances, Gina Champion Kane is living her best life. Her reputation in Southern California real estate is growing as she sits on multiple influential boards in Southern California and is featured in magazines, social media, and TV programs like California Life.
3: When you come to my home to eat, this is the atmosphere you would experience.
2: But for her, it's never enough.
8: After she opened up that first patio restaurant in 2011, she starts to realize that there's this process that you need to go through
2: in order to purchase a liquor license. Michael Brewer is a liquor license expert and the president of Alcoholic Beverage Consulting Service.
1: Just like when you transfer title of your car and you have to file it with a DMV, in order to transfer title of an alcoholic beverage license, you have to file an application with the ABC.
2: ABC is the Department of Alcoholic Beverage Control, and their regulations state that within 30 days, all applicants buying a liquor license from a previous owner must put the full cost of the license in an escrow account. By law, the money is locked away until the transaction is either approved or abandoned, which can take months or even years. And having your cold hard cash locked away in a virtual safe can be quite problematic. Mark Kramer is an attorney representing a group of Champion Kane's business associates. They can be very
10: expensive. It depends on the area, it depends on the type of license, but they can be anywhere from tens of thousands of dollars to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it just sits there until the ABC approves or rejects your application for the transfer of the liquor license.
2: But Champion Kane says this hardship for entrepreneurs could actually turn into a benefit for everyone. She thinks she can help the little guy starting a bar or restaurant while at the same time turning a tidy profit for herself and investors. So Gina Champion Kane recognized an opportunity. She began
8: pitching investors that she would lend these restaurants who were trying to purchase liquor licenses the money that they needed to put into an escrow account for as long as they needed it. In
2: theory, it's a bridge loan. The funding from deep-pocketed investors means the hopeful bar owner doesn't need to front any money at all. In exchange, when the license is approved and transferred, the applicant pays the seller full price for the license, as well as between 15 and 25% interest to the investor for fronting the money, at which point the investor gets their loan back from escrow. For investors, it seems like a no-lose situation because the money is held in escrow at one of the largest insurance companies in the world, Chicago Title. The worst that can happen, or so Champion Kane says, is that investors get their money back if the applicant doesn't pay. The problem is, the loan isn't necessary. She's fabricated the entire scheme. According to Michael Brewer, despite state regulations, Liquor license applicants can defer funding the escrow account for as long as they want.
1: They can just send an email asking for the funding date to be extended, and they've never refused it in my experience.
2: Therefore, applicants have no real need for a loan, and Champion Kane's lending platform has no real market unless she makes one up. She provides a list of supposed liquor license applicants to investors and tells them to pull from the top shelf. Mark Kramer, who later files a civil lawsuit against Champion Kane and other entities, believes these lists are totally bogus.
10: People could look at these lists and choose which ones they wanted to invest in. Oftentimes what Gina would do, particularly for a first time investor is say, I'll go in on this first one with you. We'll be co-investors together. And that added even more credibility, that if Gina's putting her own money at risk for this, then this is truly a no-brainer. I can't lose, I can only win.
2: Maybe, if it were true. Unfortunately, none of these supposed liquor license applicants on her list actually want to borrow any money. Champion Kane just pretends they do. The whole thing is a fantasy.
10: Seems that from day one this was hatched as a
2: fraudulent scheme. But her contacts in the business world don't know that. They believe that Champion Kane is pitching a sure thing. So at the beginning of her
8: scheme, Champion Kane relied on individuals that she knew from the business community who began investing. And over time, you had others who became aggregators. In effect, they would go out and find their own investors. The aggregators then
2: pool the money from other investors and put that money into the investment program. Can you please tell us who Mr. Peterson is?
3: Uh, Mr. Peters, Kim Peterson uh, is or was one of the main uh, investors, lenders into the liquor license program.
2: Kim Peterson is also a real estate developer in San Diego. But his initial relationship with champion Kane is social. She and her
9: husband were a member of the same golf club that I belonged to in San Diego. So I started to see her then starting about you know, maybe 2010. And then one morning we had coffee together just to talk about business development and real estate development. And that kind of morphed into you know uh, the relationship.
2: One day in 2013, Champion Kane lures Peterson into her lending scheme, and Peterson takes the bait. He makes a $200,000
9: investment. My view of it at the time was that I like Gina, I trusted Gina, I understand the logic of the platform. It made sense to me, and so I thought, well, I'll try, I'll do one of these or two of these and see how it plays out. So that's how it kind of started, and then it just kind of started to get a little bit bigger and a little bit bigger.
2: It keeps getting bigger because Peterson keeps seeing positive returns. Soon, Peterson begins to recruit more investors into the program, and his involvement builds so large that he starts his own company, Kim Funding LLC, exclusively to raise money for the program.
9: I knew a lot of, you know, a fair amount of people in San Diego, and I had, you know, lending relationships with banks through my real estate development business. So, started talking to banks, I started talking
2: to high net worth individuals. What Peterson's investors don't have is a deep knowledge of liquor license transfers. And that's exactly how Champion Kane likes it. I don't think that any of the people she approached had a big knowledge or intricately involved in any of the process of, a, of achieving a liquor license and I think that was purposeful. And that includes nearly 500 investors. For Champion Kane, her investors' ignorance is bliss. Eventually, Peterson's company alone ushers $140 million into Champion Kane's program, and not a single dollar of it goes toward a liquor license loan. But all Peterson knows is that he's
9: making money. You know, in hindsight, I look at that and go like, well, should I have spent more time being concerned about that? And for some, you know, I just wasn't at the time because they're worrying me all this money. I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, in and out all the time. And so the idea that, 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 that there's something wrong here just didn't register.
4: Do you also understand that a uh, classic Ponzi scheme is built on trickery and lies? Yes. And you did create, develop, and operate a Ponzi scheme, didn't you?
6: Yes.
10: First and foremost, like in any fraudulent scheme or Ponzi scheme like
8: this, Sheena had to use proceeds from new investors to pay old investors. Over the life of the scheme, which was approximately 2012 to 2019, Champion Kane paid out several hundred million dollars back to investors. And ultimately, investors lost over $180 million, but she still paid out a lot of money to investors to generate this interest in the program and to keep it going. In fact, not
2: only are there no real loans, there are no real escrow accounts. All money that investors expect is going into escrow is actually going into an account entirely under Champion Kane's control.
10: Gina got her hands on the money that was sent to Chicago Title because Gina is the only person entity who had an agreement with Chicago Title that was real. And that agreement didn't provide for an actual escrow at all. It was called a holding funds escrow, but it's effectively a slush fund. For Gina to use as she saw fit. And it's the opposite of
2: what escrow is all about. But it's exactly what Champion Kane is all about lying her way to fame and fortune. In 2011, Gina Champion Kane has decided to branch out from real estate development and expand into other industries. In the beginning, it's restaurants, but she doesn't stop there. Her fame is only growing. Over the next several years, she continues to appear in the media and speak at local business conferences.
3: As a real estate developer and business owner, I also own 10 restaurants. I know I'm crazy.
2: And she
8: has no intention of leaving the spotlight. In the late 2000s, around 2008, you have this large economic downturn. And at that point, she decides to reinvent herself. And what she decides to do is go into more of the hospitality in the retail industry. She purchases some homes in Mission Beach and turns them into hotels under the Love Surf brand. She starts selling accessories at a store called Love Surf you know, women's beach fashion, towels, things like that. And from there, really increases her
2: investment in the retail side of her
8: businesses.
6: Love Surf was pretty much a brand.
2: Pamela Corey is living in Massachusetts in 2013 when a simple vacation to San Diego changes her life.
6: I had fell in love with the area and I knew this is the place I want to be. I just went online and kind of Googled things in the area that seemed of interest to me and sent my resume to anybody who would look at it. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it tickled their fancy.
2: Love Surf hires her, and Corey thinks she's made the best decision of her life. She and her new boss, Gina Champion Kane, hit it off.
6: She was intimidating and a good way to me, I guess. You know, it's like I looked up to her uh, because I'm like, wow, she's this powerful woman, entrepreneur in San Diego. It's like, wow, how do I become that someday? But she was also very kind to me. I go to her home for Thanksgiving, for just for stop by and have wine. And I saw her almost every day, you know, cause she was always in the shop.
2: And the shop is thriving. So Champion Kane does what she always does goes bigger.
6: Well, the boutique was doing great, so that's why we decided to open more stores. And then as time went on, we kind of noticed that the numbers weren't really doing as well as they had initially been doing. And it was kind of confusing as to why we were opening more stores when our, our numbers weren't matching the growth.
2: Champion Kane doesn't seem too concerned with numbers not matching up, especially when it's not her money. Over the life
8: of the scheme, Champion Kane's business grew. She continued to hire more and more employees, family members, friends, friends
7: of family members. At one point, she talked about 700 employees. I mean, that's huge. Obviously, they weren't all in her office. They were employed in all these different businesses and restaurants, but that's a huge enterprise. They were
6: constantly bringing on tons of team members and paying big salaries. And so I was like, huh, how is she doing all of this? when, you know, all of these other businesses aren't doing that well. So, but I just thought she, you know, just had a lot of money.
2: (laughs) In a way she does, it's just not hers. To the outside world,
8: a lot of these businesses and restaurants appeared successful, but really they were losing money. And Champion Kane was using money from investors to prop up these failing businesses. In fact, over the seven years of her scheme, she used about $60 million of investor funds to prop up her failing businesses.
2: But the socialite is not all business. While she uses much of the stolen money to amplify her appearance of professional success, she also takes a little something for herself.
8: She also used millions of dollars to pay for personal expenses. She used millions of dollars to pay for her own salary each year. She purchased a home in Rancho Mirage, California. She purchased another home in Mission Beach, California. She spent hundreds of thousands on jewelry from expensive stores like Tiffany. But if Champion
2: Kane is going to keep up this lifestyle, she's going to need help. And she's brazen enough to try to enlist one of the biggest companies in the world to provide it. In San Diego, Gina Champion Kane's fraud continues to grow. But as it grows, so does her dependence on her escrow provider, Chicago Title. She's had a legitimate relationship with the insurance giant for years while developing commercial real estate. And now she wants to exploit that relationship through her liquor license lending scheme. I've probably talked with
10: close to a hundred of the victims of this scheme. And every single one of them told me some variation of, I would never have given this kind of money to Gina, I wouldn't even give this kind of money to my family members or friends. I gave that money because I knew it was gonna be in an
2: escrow account held by Chicago Title. Chicago Title may seem invulnerable to the outside world, but according to several lawsuits filed against them, there may be a disease incubating within. Time will tell
10: exactly to what extent who knew what when at Chicago Title, but There is evidence that a number of the escrow officers and others within
2: the organization were aware of what Gina was doing. But if they are aware, Champion Kane wants to make sure they're insulated
8: from her fraud. She created this buffer between investors and Chicago Title. So Champion Kane would tell investors, you can't talk to the people at Chicago Title who run this program. They're too busy, they have too much going on. If you start to talk to them, you can't invest in the program anymore. On the flip side, she would tell the individuals working at Chicago Title, don't worry, you don't need to talk to my investors. If they reach out to you, you can ignore them. I'll tell them that you're too busy. So by doing that, she created the separation, this buffer, so that the investors weren't talking to Chicago Title, and in Chicago Title wasn't talking to the investors. There
2: may be a buffer between investors and Chicago Title, but Champion Kane communicates often with two Chicago Title employees in particular. The emails
10: going back and forth between them are very familiar, very casual, and they're funny and entertaining in some ways.
7: The emails were very like, almost like a girlfriend talking to another girlfriend. I've always promised you I would shelter you from my crazy investors, and I will continue to do so. If any one of them bug you, as they are too stupid to understand the program, then they are fired as an investor. I have plenty of dudes dying to give me money, honey, ha, 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 ha love you ladies. She didn't want anybody saying anything that could hurt the scheme, so she wanted to control the narrative. And so she would say that in a friendly manner in these emails, but the bottom line was, it was like, keep your mouth shut, I'll take care of everything. Even
2: if the loan officers aren't acutely aware of Champion Kane's scheme, they certainly take advantage of the perks she offers.
3: I gave jewelry, champagne, baseball tickets, charger suite tickets.
2: We had corporate suites there. And it isn't always just perks. As Champion Kane testifies later, she sometimes straight up bolsters these Chicago title employees' bank accounts to try to keep them in her favor. Did you write a $13,000 check in January
10: 2018? Yes. Did you write Betty a $5,000 check in January 2018? Yes. How did Miss
8: respond to getting these gifts from you?
3: Well, she was very thankful.
8: And
5: how about Miss Betty was very thankful. So people got perks. And at the grand scheme of things, you're talking about 400 million dollars and the perks were, I don't know, 20 grand, 30 grand, nothing. But you belonged. It's a little bit like when you go to the nightclub and the guy waves you in, and everybody else is standing behind the rope. You feel special, and I think in the case of these two women, I think that was important that they got to feel they were part of an inside group.
2: If feeling special does encourage the loan officers to be willfully ignorant, Champion Kane certainly gives them plenty of reasons to turn a blind eye. For example, the escrow agreements that are the root of the entire fraud. When an investor would put
8: in money at Chicago Title, Champion Kane would provide them with an escrow agreement. And this escrow agreement would say that Chicago Title held the money and that they couldn't do anything with the money except for send it back to the investor at the end of the application process. Those escrow agreements were fake. Gina Champion Kane created them, she forged signatures on them, and she gave them to investors. It's a
2: lot of work to steal that much money
7: I mean, you could argue this was a $400 million business enterprise. I mean, it was like operating a really complex business. And here, this woman pulled it off.
2: Where did Champion Kane learn such dazzling skills? Maybe she'd had a taste before.
0: People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation.
2: By the end of her fraud, Gina Champion-Kane has orchestrated the largest Ponzi scheme in San Diego history. Ironically, it echoes a fraud she and a group of partners were victims of just 10 years earlier.
7: So, Gina, she wanted to do this huge downtown development project. It was a $300 million project, so obviously you need financing.
10: And they found a private equity fund fund which claimed to be backed by a lot of European uh, high net worth individuals who were looking to invest in real estate development in the United States. And so in order to make a loan application, they were required to deposit $300,000 into a Florida bank.
2: Champion Kane and her partners make the $300,000 deposit and are soon provided with all the paperwork indicating that the financing for their project has been approved. All they have to do is wait for the money to come flowing in.
10: Months go by
2: and the funds
10: don't come in and they don't come in. And eventually, Gina learns it's a fraud. The money's gone.
4: And he learned that it was all created by these fraudsters who invented a fake lending business, right? Correct. They fabricated forged emails, forged documents, forged letters of credit, correct? Yes. All to convince you and the other developers that they defrauded that their money would be safe, correct?
2: Correct. But maybe the experience teaches Champion Kane a lesson, a lesson that brings in more than $350 million from investors. In the course of that scheme that she was a victim
10: of, She comes to find out that all of these documents that she'd been receiving from the private equity fund were forgeries and fabrications, including, for example, documentation about letters of credit that secured their $300,000 deposit. So what should have been a cautionary tale for Gina ends up planting a seed or inspiring her to launch the scheme
2: that she did. If the experience plants a seed, the fruits of her fraud are about to be exposed. Because people are starting to catch on to her.
4: Along the way, were there challenges you had that came up where you were at risk or in danger of being caught?
2: The Torrey Pines incident was the big one. In 2017, Kim Peterson reaches out to Tory Pines Bank looking for a $5 million loan to invest in the licensing program.
5: Tory Pines is a big real estate bank, well known. And they agree to lend him $5 million, which he's going to put into the Flickr license program of Gina, and he's going to make money on it.
2: But before Tory Pines will make the loan, they want to see some backup and ask Kim Peterson to provide copies of his escrow agreements. He provides copies of agreements from Chicago Title, representing a total of $140 million, signed by a supposed Chicago Title employee, Wendy Reynolds. And one of the bankers called down to Chicago
9: Title because they were confused about the wiring instructions and asked for Wendy Reynolds. And they said, you know, that they're, we, don't, I don't, we don't know a Wendy Reynolds here.
5: It's a made up name. Gina made it up.
2: In a careless blunder, Champion Kane forges the name of a fictitious person on Peterson's escrow agreements. And while Tory Pryne is unraveling that mystery, Michael Brewer is doing some digging of his own when a client asks him about the lending
1: program. He called me up out of the blue and asked me, well, what did I think of this? And would I look into it for him? And I immediately had a number of concerns with the documents that were provided to him because they were deals that did not require liquor license escrows. So those were automatic red flags that, no, there's no escrow on these, so why would they need to borrow money because there's no escrow required in the first place? And going through the due diligence platform we discovered came to the conclusion that it was a Ponzi scheme. And Brewer isn't the only one beginning to see the
2: light. In May 2019, Gina Champion Kane receives a disturbing letter from the SEC announcing that she is under investigation, but she isn't ready for last call. On the one hand,
8: she was cooperative with their investigation, but behind closed doors, she was doing everything she could to thwart the government's investigation of her scheme. She instructed employees not to produce certain documents that were incriminating. She ordered employees in the accounting department to alter accounting records, to make it look like she didn't use investor funds for personal expenses. She ordered employees to shred a huge volume of hard copy documents that were incriminating. Even after she knew that the government was investigating her scheme, she continued to try to get money from investors. She couldn't stop. She tried to get $150 million to add to her fund with this misguided belief that with that additional money, she could keep it going, that she could make all the government investigators go away, prop up her business, and everything would be fine.
3: We were working on the Patio Marketplace IPO that we were gonna take that public and put it out there and get the money back to pay the folks um, the outstanding debt back. And that was the goal.
7: You know, when you hear that, it almost sounds like the addicted gambler who wants to go to the blackjack table one more time. She was convinced that the strength of her portfolio was gonna, by taking it public, she could pay everyone back.
2: She doesn't just mind the big pockets of San Diego. She even takes advantage of her loyal acolytes and friends for every dollar she can get to save her scheme and her skin, no matter what the circumstance. When Pamela Corey's father dies, she inherits $20,000. And she entrusts it all to her mentor, Gina Champion Kane. It's the first investment she's ever made.
6: You know, before I was just kind of living paycheck to paycheck, you know, just kind of living your normal life. And yeah, so it was exciting to have money t- to use.
2: But she might as well be flushing it all down the toilet because the feds are about to break down the door. The same day Champion Kane receives her letter from the SEC, Kim Peterson is also subpoenaed. He thinks it must all be a misunderstanding, but Peterson is the one who doesn't understand.
9: They start showing me all these escrow documents, and I go, yeah, 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 identify all the stuff, and they ask me questions for seven, eight hours, you know, about the business and all the stuff, and nothing unusual. And then at the end, they give me this. The final document they gave me was a holding agreement.
2: The document is stunning. It's an agreement between Champion Kane and Chicago Title, forged by Champion Kane entirely without Peterson's knowledge. It allows Champion Kane access to the hundreds of millions of dollars that Peterson believes is being held safely in his own escrow accounts. He asks his lawyers to look into it and gets terrible news. Not only is the document real, but all his escrow agreements are fake. He called
9: and said, all those escrows are fraudulent and there's only $11 million in this account, there's not 140 million. And I just went, oh my God. So that is when, you know, then we knew that there was, you know, you know a big problem.
2: It's becoming a big problem for Champion Kane as well. On August 28, 2019, the SEC freezes all of her and American National Investments assets. And in July 2020, criminal charges are filed. Champion Kane admitted under oath in court that she was the mastermind of a massive
4: $400 million Ponzi scheme.
8: Ultimately, Gina Champion Kane pleaded guilty, accepted responsibility for her role in orchestrating the biggest Ponzi scheme in the history of San Diego. Over seven years, she brought in nearly $400 million from investors. Investors lost over $180 million, and she used tens of millions of dollars to prop up her businesses and for her own personal expenses. You
2: ready? Despite the betrayal as Champion Kane awaits sentencing, Kamala Corey remains in touch with the woman she once admired.
6: She didn't directly say, I'm sorry. She just said, I promise you'll get all your money back, you know, and I'm going to pay everybody back. But she said she felt like she had a weight lifted off her shoulders, like she slept better at night because now she doesn't have to carry this huge lie around with her. So I don't know. (laughs) It's hard to get into the mind of a sociopath.
2: At sentencing, the judge's gavel lands hard.
0: Champion Kane was sentenced to 15 years in prison. And what's interesting and significant about this sentencing was that federal prosecutors had actually asked for a 130-month sentence, which is about 12 years. And the judge actually didn't think that was enough and tacked more years onto her sentence.
2: For many, justice was served. She
6: defrauded all of San Diego and Mission Beach, and you know it's it's a bummer to drive by the stores and see them all closed down, and you know, but there's just bad karma in there. <laughs> this whole place needs to be saged.
2: <laughs> Over the course of speaking with Champion Kane while researching his book, Neil Centuria says one interaction with her
5: stands out. There's a moment when I ask her the following question. I say, Gina. If you'd only had the one really good restaurant, the patio, and two or three vacation rentals, would it have been enough? And there's a a moment, and I think she nods and says, yeah. And so the question for all of us, in some ways, is how much is enough?
3: Champion Kane's former CFO pleaded guilty to conspiracy and was sentenced to four years in prison. The investigation continues, and prosecutors have indicated that charges for others could be on the way. Through civil lawsuits, Chicago Title has paid back more than $160 million to investors and lenders in court settlements. Chicago Title has admitted to no wrongdoing, and no one from the company has faced criminal charges. They have not responded to American greed for comment. Combining the civil lawsuits, settlements, and Champion Kane's restitution, the U.S. government believes approximately 95 percent of investor funds could be recovered from the scheme.
2: Thanks for listening to the American Read Podcast, presented by CNBC. I'm Stacy Keach.
0: People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation.